0: So Luke chapter twenty-two this morning. Questions are on the screen. Fairly easy ones. I would like to say, and uh, I think would be uh, also good discussion at the end. So looking forward um, to that. So Luke chapter twenty-two. We're going to start in verse forty-seven. Verse forty-seven. This. Um, I'm, excuse me. Not verse forty-seven. We looked at verse forty-seven last week through fifty-two. Today would be fifty-three through um, through sixty-two. So we looked at last week in verses 47 through 52, we looked at the betrayal of Judas, or betrayal of Judas is how he has betrayed Jesus in the garden. Jesus was in the garden with his disciples, and they were praying, and they were praying, and they were praying, or at least Jesus was praying and praying. And, and we know some of what Jesus was praying that night, it was it's recorded for us, Um but when he was done, he came back to his disciples, and his disciples were sleeping. And he woke them up and he told them to pray. This is important, pray, so that they would not enter into temptation. Right? And then verse 47, we talked about last week. The, a crowd came, right? So we called a crowd, but it was a mob that was there to get Jesus. A guard, they came into the, the garden, they were priests, they were the soldiers, the elders, the religious leaders, officers of the temple, and also Judas. Judas was there, one of the twelve was leading them. And he was leading them for the sole purpose to identify which one of the group is Jesus, right? They didn't have facial recognition software like we do these days, so they needed a, a kiss to signify which one is Jesus. And so Judas does his thing. He betrays Jesus with his kiss. The disciples just about start a a fight and Jesus says the hour of darkness is at hand. There was a lot that we talked about last week. This morning in Luke's gospel we have come to another sobering place. The place where we see Peter denying Jesus, denying that he even knows Jesus. Now, this, I think, for most of us, is a familiar story, a familiar passage, and 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 you know the details. I, I can ask you. So, how many times did did uh, did uh, Peter deny Jesus? You know, thrice, right? Three times. He denied Jesus. And and you even know the, the animal that crowed that night, right? The rooster that crowed. And it was all just as Jesus said it would be earlier in the upper room. But as familiar as this passage is, I want you to see how sobering this passage is. Remember Remember what takes place in our passage today, this morning, was not in the mind of Peter. It was not his intent that evening, like Judas, to go out and deny Jesus. It wasn't his intent. It it wasn't in his mind. In fact, denying Jesus wasn't even a possibility to him he outright disagreed and objected to the notion that he would even do such a thing. And yet, it's exactly what Jesus told him he would do, and that he would remember this when the rooster crowed. And as we read it together in just a, in just a moment, I, I want you to grasp the fact that That we are watching and seeing and reading Peter at his worst. This is his, his worst moment. This is his most sinful part of his life. This is the most embarrassing moment in Peter's life. Up to now, each and every one of us have those worst moments those worst hours. And we have a bunch of runners-up to that worst moment. And no one, not one of us would want anyone to know what those worst moment was. So in our passage, this is Peter's worst moment of sin and denial of Jesus. And yet... We see, by God's grace, a transformation in a man into the apostle that he becomes, that we see in Acts. A man who faithfully preached the gospel for decades until he was martyred. How in the world? How in the world does that happen? Well, let's... Let's read it together, starting in verse 54. And they seized him, meaning Jesus, and they led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. And then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light. And looking closely at him, said, "This man also was with him." But he denied it, saying, "Woman, I, I don't know him." And a little later, someone else saw him and said, "You also are one of them." But Peter said, "Man, I am not." And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man was with them, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, and how he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out, and he wept bitterly. If there is one apostle that most people know, it is Peter. He is by far one of the most well-known of all the apostles, and not always for the best reasons. No other disciple in the Gospels was reproved and corrected more than than Peter. And by the way, no other disciple thought it was his job to correct Jesus than Peter. Peter. Peter was always talking, he was always inserting himself into the conversation. You know, he's that that guy or that gal in the small group who who has all the answers to the questions, even though they don't make sense. At times, they're a blessing in the group, but then on other times, we're all like in our minds, does this dude have no self-awareness? I'll give you a few examples of Peter. Peter. Shortly after his calling by Jesus, he confessed. This is what he confessed to Jesus. He said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Wow. Even from the beginning, Peter was profoundly aware of his need of mercy and grace and the holiness of the Son of God. Peter was the disciple who, who spoke first and most Clear the the truthful confession of who Jesus is and who Jesus was. You were the Christ, the Son of God. But after Jesus told them the purpose of the Son of what the purpose of the Son of Man was and why He came to be arrested and to be killed on the cross and to but rise again, wasn't it Peter who said, "I don't think so, Lord. Not if I have anything to say about it." And then Jesus calls him Satan. On the Sea of Galilee, as the disciples were crossing the the lake in a storm, it was Peter who saw Jesus coming to them, walking on water. He was the one that said, Lord, if it is you, command me to, to go to you on the water. And guess what he did? He hopped out of the boat and he walked on water. Peter walked on water. But that is until he looked around, and he saw the wind and the waves, and he saw himself walking away from the boat, and he began to sink, And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus saved him. And then in John 6, which I think could, could go right up with the, as one of Peter's greatest words, as he, uh, one of his greatest words right next to the, the confession. After Jesus fed the thousands with bread. He began to teach that he is the bread of life. And everyone walked away from Jesus and the rest of the disciples because they thought Jesus was going to be their bread maker. And Jesus was disappointing them by saying, no, I am the bread of life. Come eat from me. And as all the other disciples began to leave, Jesus looked at his boys and said, are you leaving too? And guess what Peter said? Peter said, profoundly, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Wow. This is Peter. And then in the upper room, Jesus went around was washing all the disciples' feet, and it was Peter who who didn't want Jesus to, to wash his feet was trying to fight Jesus on this. Now, Peter had his moments, didn't he? His good and his bad. His strengths and his weaknesses. But before we start to pick on Peter too much, or even are tempted to look down on him, and there's plenty of things that we could bring up, and we have, but let's not forget, and this is what's amazing to me, is that Peter walked on water and none of us haven't. <laughs> Peter's life in the gospel, his life in the gospel is actually a really good teacher for us. Because you see, on the, the night of his greatest Failure. The night that I bet there were many times and many days where he's just like, you know, Matthew, do we really got to put this in there? Come on, Mark, work with me here. Let's not put it John, seriously. There's many times that I wonder, why does everybody need to know about my greatest of failures? And yet that was probably one of the most instructive nights of his life. And it speaks loudly to all of us. It speaks right into our own lives. It speaks right into our own hearts. Because when we look at Peter, brothers and sisters, it's almost like looking into a mirror of our own lives. Victories. Right confessions. Truth that we have come to know and believe and delight in. Love for Christ. Love for the Savior. Encourage. And even courage and passion and then failure and then sin and then unbelief and then fear. Do I have to go on? Instead of picking on Peter, I think we could read this text, this story, and also the rest of Peter's life. And we can say, Peter, I know how you feel. As we unpack this passage this morning, I want to show you in three ways why that is true. First, we have to go to the the negative, and that is the heaviness of sin. The heaviness of sin. And in particular, what we see in him, we can learn about sin itself, and we can learn about our own sin, and our own nature. Now, I know that Peter denies Jesus. And I know at this point uh, in, in, the, in the passage, he's, he's denying Jesus. But, but however, could we not look at Jesus or look at Peter, excuse me, and, and see a man, a guy who actually loved Jesus? I think the answer to that question is clear. Peter loved Jesus. Jesus, he really loved Jesus and he shows it. Yeah, he denies Jesus, but let me show you how he loved Jesus. So, rewinding the evening back, that's forward, rewinding the evening back, verse 33, Peter said to Jesus, He said, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and death. I think in that moment, Peter meant it. Peter meant it. He was was ready. No other disciples said they would go to jail or die for Jesus. Now, we know Peter, presumptuous, of course, as Peter is, but he wasn't a liar. He wasn't a liar. His actions even backed up his words. Remember, later that night in the garden when Jesus was about to be arrested, the the, the crowd of officers, soldiers, and religious leaders came uh, against them, and clearly their intent was to arrest them, and the disciples knew what was going down. And someone asked Jesus, do we pull out our swords? And Peter just pulls out his sword, and he cuts off Malchus's ear. He stood ready to go, and even defending Jesus against Soldiers. He was a fisherman. He didn't even know how to use his sword. Against soldiers and officers of the temple, even against Judas himself, he was standing there. Now, we talked about last week how Jesus rebuked Peter and the other disciples for that action. And we know that's true. That's not how the kingdom of God grows and will go forth. But wasn't this still an act of passion? And commitment and courage and love. When the gospels tell us that Jesus was arrested, there in verse 54. All the other disciples fled the scene. But guess who hung around? To follow? Peter. Everyone else ran in fear. But Peter. followed them verse 54 he followed the crowd at a distance and he infiltrated into the courtyard of the of the high priest's house where where jesus was brought to be interrogated where where jesus was brought to be interrogated now now who knows at this moment what peter's plans were like what was he going to do in those moments what was his real plan in being apart and following who who really knows But I think it's really clear that that Peter was following Jesus and would not let him be alone because he loved Jesus. Peter loved Jesus. He was committed to Jesus and was passionate for Jesus. So what in the world happened? What in the world happened with such love, with such passion and hands raised for Jesus and such right confessions for Jesus? What in the world happened? Why did Peter deny Jesus on the same night that he acted so courageously and passionate for Jesus? I'll tell you, he became fearful. And when asked the right question at the right time, it was fear that got the best of him. And, and, and we know the story of, of how it went down, right? So, so Peter and the other disciples were fo- or Peter was following the, the crowd, excuse me, and they got into the house, or he got into the house, and they, they made it into the quarry. I remember, it's like in the middle of the night. Uh, it's dark outside. They don't have street lamps like we have, and they don't have, flashlights, it's, it's dark, so he, he gets himself in there, and the, the architecture of the homes was is that there is this courtyard in the middle that was open air, and then all around was, was walls where there was porches and patios, and up, upstairs, downstairs, different rooms, and Jesus was somewhere in the house, and Peter made himself, made his way into the, into the courtyard, and he is doing his best to be incognito, to infiltrate, Right? to blend in with the enemy in the courtyard that that were waiting for something. And so here he is now behind enemy lines. It's been a long day, and now it's been a long night. It's early in the morning now. It was cold. He was tired. He was emotionally taxed and drained. But he's still there, and he's in the game. But something happened that Peter didn't expect. The servant girl, verse 56, who could make his face out from the light of the fire. And notice how she doesn't even ask the question. She just says it. Hey, you're one of those. You were were with him. And Peter was totally unprepared and gripped by fear of being found out. What did he do? He vehemently denied it. Woman, I do not know him. Again, someone else saw him and and, and said, man, you're definitely one of them. And and Peter, fear building and protecting his, his lies now, denies again. I am not. In verse 59, it says about an hour later, and I think Peter gets comfortable now. Right? I don't maybe they have given up on that idea. I'm, I'm gonna get I'm comfortable now. And then again, out of nowhere, someone says, certainly you were with that man because he's a Galilean and you're a Galilean because you got the accent and the smell of a Galilean, bud. And Peter says in verse 60, man, I do not know what you are talking about. Why did Peter deny Jesus? Especially in front of a servant girl and two other unknowns. Was Peter's fear rational? Was he really in any danger admitting that he was with Jesus? Maybe. But they had who they wanted, they, they had Jesus, they had who they wanted. And this is why fear can be so deceptive and controlling and blinding, because it, it it can throw out rationality, logic. And that fear in him conceived and it gave birth to sin, and the sin of a bold-faced lie and denying Jesus three times. You see, brothers and sisters, the seed that was planted in Peter's heart that night was fear. And and fear was the hook. It was the crack in the foundation. It was that's what was needed to, to get the the wedge in to move him to outright lie and then deny Jesus. You know, this is this is how we are tempted. This is how we are tempted to, to, to sin. Not not always by fear. Fear for all isn't usually the hook or not, maybe not all the time, the hook but through seeds of sin by which the evil one works to bring out greater sins in our lives. I read this quote earlier this week. I couldn't remember who who said it, but he he said, In my heart are seeds of every known sin. In my heart are seeds for every known sin. The seeds of sin are in our hearts. The potential, the seeds of sin are in our hearts. So, not just fear, but pride and lust and covetousness and anger and selfishness and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And those seeds are there. And guess what? Those seeds love to be planted. Those seeds love to be planted in the fertile soil of our flesh to grow. And you better believe that when they grow, they grow fast and they produce bitter fruit. They're like the weeds that produce more seeds and pods that like to spread in the ground. The bitter fruit of hatred and murder and outbursts and fits of rage and stealing and lying and dying, denying and adultery and fornication, etc. All of these ways and all of these ways. You see, Peter didn't believe this about himself. He he wasn't going to be the one who betrayed Jesus or deny him. He believed, how could I do something like that? I love Jesus. I'm committed to Jesus. I'm passionate for Jesus. But when that seed of fear was sown at just the right moment, Peter lied. And he denied. Peter loved Jesus. He was committed to him. But, brothers and sisters, his love and his commitment wasn't enough. His love and his commitment wasn't enough. And this is something we need to understand then about sin and about ourselves. Sin first. Uh, the seeds of sin exist in our hearts like, like Peter's. And so just to give you an example of that, you know, traffic doesn't make you impatient. Traffic only exposes the seeds of impatience. Or that's the fruit that is bore. The fits of rage and anger that come from it. They're already there. The seed is there. It just needs the fertile soil to be planted. But second when those seeds of temptation come out, sown in the heart, the problem is, is that your love and your devotion and commitment and strength and knowledge or passion is not what's going to deliver you from your temptation. Our love for Jesus, our commitment for Jesus, is not what's going to deliver us from sin. I mean, Peter was pretty committed to Jesus. He loved Jesus. And yet he was unprepared spiritually for the trial that he was about to face. From a servant girl. From two unknown. He was unprepared spiritually for the trial he was about to face. But this is why Jesus earlier in the upper room said boys be prepared. He told them to pray in the garden. He said, pray that you do not enter into temptation. And what was Peter and all the disciples doing? They might have prayed a little bit, but what happened? They go to sleep. Peter was unprepared when challenged because he was not relying on the strength of God that comes through prayer But he relied on himself. You see, we should understand this intimately exactly what's happening here. Because we'll just kind of maybe use an example here. What what about the time when when you and a really good friend were having a a, a great conversation, and then that conversation started to creep into a spiritual direction? and, and you get kind of excited about it because you're able, you're, you're thinking, man, I'm, I might be able to share the gospel with this person. I've been praying for this and, and, and I'm hoping that it moves to that moment. And, and as the conversation moves to that moment of, of talking about sin and salvation in the gospel, the seed of fear is sown. And then, just like Peter We may not deny Jesus and may not deny that we don't know him, but we believe fear that says, what will they think of me? And yet, we may not deny him, but we downplay him and we downplay the gospel. Have you ever been in that place? I know I have. We only rely on what is in us. And we are not relying on what God has given us by his grace and the strength given to us by the Holy Spirit to believe and to remember the gospel and pray Then we do not stand a chance against sin. Praise God that you love Jesus. Praise God that you believe in him and have faith in him if you do. And and, and that is a work of grace. Give him the glory for that. However, we must pray and depend on him for our strength and not in the strength of our love and our own commitments. If the seeds of sin are bearing bitter fruit every day in your heart and every day in your life and sin is owning you, then I want to ask you, where is your strength? Where is your dependence? Do you pray? Simply. We depend on the flesh so much. We depend on ourselves or others so much. We want to, as Peter, pull out our swords of our own love and our own commitment instead of relying on the weapons that the Lord has so given us, and that is his grace. So what happened that evening? What happened that evening? Sin. The seed of sin took over in Peter's heart. But secondly, I want you to see a depth of grace. Because this isn't the end of the story. This isn't the end of the story. And that even though Peter relied on his own strength as as we do, and and he sinned as as we do, and we fall and we fail, and we can make such a mess of things. We can make such a mess of these things when we rely on our own strength. We come in as in, in messes and we pretend that we're not. That's why I love what we read every time, because it's a reminder Ben, you're a mess. But you're in a place where you will hear grace, and you'll hear love, and you'll sing about grace, and you'll sing about love, and you'll be loved. And you won't be rejected. It seems as if I stand accused daily as a sinner, failing as a father... Failing as a husband, failing as a pastor, failing as a friend. do you ever feel that way? I mean, just accused. That's what Peter felt. And that's clearly the outcome that Peter had in verse 62. He went out and he wept bitterly. When you're relying on your own strength and you're not depending upon the Lord, prepare for the bitter tears. What he thought he would never do, what you think he would never do, what Jesus said he would do and warned him to be prepared for is exactly what Peter did. And in the heat of it all, he didn't even realize what he was doing. Did you notice that? He didn't even know. He didn't even know what he was doing. He didn't even realize his sin. I mean, we're talking over an hour has passed, and here's Peter denying Jesus, still thinking that everything is okay. And it wasn't until verse 60, as he was denying Jesus the third time, immediately. In fact, Mark tells us in that third denial that Peter was cursing at people, and he was swearing to God himself that I don't know this man. And in that moment, the rooster crowed. Now that's kind of funny. I always think that's kind of funny. Out of all the animals, it was a rooster. I hate roosters. We have chickens. I hate roosters because they crow. And that was the trigger that set Peter to see the realization of the heaviness of his sin. But look at verse 61. A very unique detail and found in Luke's gospel and nowhere else. And I think very intentionally. Very intentionally. It says, and the Lord Jesus. And I love this. There's this transition here in the text where he, they call him Lord. <laughs> and the Lord. And the Lord turned and what? Looked at Peter. And what did Peter, he remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. So so Jesus is on trial. He's before the councils in the house somewhere in the house of the high priest. And in that very moment, the providence of God, in in that very moment, wherever Jesus was in that house, whether he's being transferred, he's on an outside patio, both men made eye contact immediately at that moment. And Luke tells us this because this is such a pivotal moment for Peter. The look that he received from Jesus to remember is pivotal. It was a look of Peter You failed. You sinned just like I told you you would. I think if we can think back a little bit, we can remember that maybe when we were children, your parents might have given you somewhat of a similar look. And We usually don't get that look because you were doing something you were supposed to. You get that look because you're doing something you weren't supposed to. And they'd give you that look of maybe it was disappointment or of a warning of if you don't straighten up, I'm going to kick your butt when we get home or I'm going to put you in your room for the rest of the day or something like that or I'm going to take this away. It always comes from that look that you know that something isn't right. And when Peter and Jesus' eyes met in that moment, Luke tells us that Peter remembered. He remembered in that moment what Jesus said to him. And I wondered if he remembered even more. I wonder if he remembered verse 31. Where he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you. That he might sift you like wheat. Verse 32, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. I wonder if he remembered that, that Jesus had prayed for him. That, Peter, you you failed because you rely on your own strength, brother. You relied on on the, the strength of Simon. But that's the old you. But I'm praying, and you will turn again. You will turn again. Strengthen your brothers in this. And again, this is why this is recorded for us. So that we would be strengthened through this failure. The look took him back to the words of Jesus. To the grace and the mercy of God. It wasn't just a look of disappointment or sadness... And it certainly wasn't a look of condemnation. A look that, that of condemnation that says, I can't believe you would do this to me, Peter. You see, Peter might have thought that Jesus was disappointed in him. But guess what? Jesus already knew what Peter was going to do. This was a look of grace. This was a look of love a look of you're a failure Peter you're a sinner Peter and you can't do this on your own but it was a look of but I'm still going to the cross I'm still going to the cross for you Peter because you can't save yourself you see it now right you see, your love, your passion, your commitment doesn't get you there. It's only by my grace. It's only by my grace. You can't save yourself. And I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Do you know what I hear here? I hear there is, therefore, now, no. Condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is what I hear in this passage. And what Luke wants us to see as Peter saw in Jesus. Yeah, Peter was distraught and he was broken and disappointed and shame of himself, but he didn't get a look of condemnation from Christ. He might have stood accused by Satan for the next couple of days of torment but he wasn't accused and condemned by God. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This was Peter's worst moment, his greatest failure. And this isn't given to us in the text so that we can all learn how to be better people and how to be better than Peter. Peter, that's not the point. The point is, you're like Peter. You're going to give in. Them, them seeds are there when fear comes, when lust comes, when anger comes. The seeds are there, man. The point of the passage is Jesus, who still endured the walk to the cross and took upon himself our sin. It shows you and it shows me that even though we stand justly accused, even in our worst, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if that is true... If God doesn't condemn you, and if He doesn't condemn me, and He has forgiven us in Christ, and if the cross of Jesus Christ has truly paid for the penalty of our sin, of your sin, and of my sin, then, then you know what? In our failures, in our faults, in our messes, and in our disasters, by golly, let them be known. Because all it's going to do is it's going to bring more glory to God and show more of His perfect patience in His grace. Let it be known, and let it be used for the glory of God. And why? To strengthen the brothers. I don't know what you struggle with or the seeds of sin that have been sown in your hearts this very week or even this very morning. I don't know the bitter fruit that it has bore and destruction and mess that it might have caused, but I know how you feel. And I know that Peter knows how you feel. And just like Peter, the last thing you want this morning is for anybody to really know how much you have sinned and made a mess of things. But very much what we really don't want is we don't want Jesus looking at us eye to eye, do we? Because we think he stands accusing us. But when he looks at Peter, and when he looks at us, we can can see that it's safe, that it's okay, that he is still good. In our sins and in our failures and in our mess, it hasn't changed the gospel one bit. The good news is just as good as it was the day before as it is now. And will continue to be good news for us. It's the very reason why he went to the cross. He loves us. He loves you. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So let the accusations come. Let the failures happen. Maybe not let them happen, but you get what I'm saying. We're a mess. Don't be afraid to admit it. We're a mess. And we make lots of messes. But who can bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Your pastor? Please never see that in me. Your friends? Get rid of them. Family? Let them go. If they're condemning you, you let them go brothers and sisters in Christ, by no means. The evil one, he can kiss it. Who can bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, not you. And you never can make that death. You never can make that atonement. But he has. And more than that, guess what? He was raised. And if he was raised, then we will one day be raised. And that sin that seems so heavy, them seeds that are always there, they will be gone forever and ever. And to that we say, come Lord Jesus, come. Come. And he is at the right hand of God who is interceding for us. (laughs) He prayed for Peter, he's praying for us. So important for us to see here. He does not look at us in condemnation. He was condemned so that we wouldn't be condemned. And I have one last point, and we're going to make it quick. And that is what we see after. What we see after, and that is the importance of repentance. Repentance. The look that he received, the mercy, the grace, the love and kindness that leads us to repentance. That look, it led him to repentance. It led him to repentance. And and, and that's what happened with Peter. Yes, he left in weeping bitterly. But you know what? That's not the end of the story. And that's, that's not the end of the story for, for us. When the Holy Spirit peers into our souls and, and he convicts us of our sin, he draws our eyes to something that we need to see. We need to see our sin. We need to see the seeds of our sin and where we are trusting for our own strength and not in him. The Holy Spirit peers into our lives and shows us these things to see what we could not see before. Yeah, we see Peter who is left to grieve his sin when it is before him. But you see, that's not the place that the Holy Spirit leaves him or us. Yes, we grieve over our sin. And we should grieve over our sin. The kind of grief and sorrow that we experience from the Holy Spirit as he's convicting us of our sin, is not just to make us feel terrible about ourselves, but it's meant to lead us into repentance. And we do not grieve because it's just remorse that we've been caught. That's not what Peter wept about. He wasn't just caught. He knew he had sinned. And the Holy Spirit in our repentance teaches us and leads us to hate that sin. There's a difference between godly grief and just remorse of getting caught or upset because of the consequences. Godly grief always leads us into repentance, leads us into a changed behavior that comes. Gospel repentance always leads to a changed behavior in our hearts that line up with the word of God. You see Peter's tears that night were not wasted. They were not wasted. Those bitter tears were not wasted, but they were tears that watered the ground for the gospel to take roots. For the seeds of the gospel to take root. And you know what? Guess who shows up still hanging around after the resurrection? It's not Judas. Tragically, it is not Judas, but it is Peter. Why didn't Peter run away? I mean, he was just, he was found out. Why didn't he run away? Why doesn't he go out and hang himself like Judas? But instead, he's with the disciples, and he's with Jesus. And then in John chapter 21, Jesus restores Peter. Peter. You see, the worst night, the worst day, the worst thing of Peter's life was probably the best thing that ever happened to him. Because after this evening, Peter is no longer the same. He's transformed. He's made new. He knows now that it's not my strength, but it is Christ's. It's not me who can die and me that can go to prison. It's Christ. It's him that I need. It's his grace that I need. And it's why he became the apostle of gospel-centered boldness, not with the sword this time, but with the sword of the Spirit. He was a totally different Peter. Repentance given to him by the Holy Spirit transformed his life the word of god peers right into us the holy spirit convicts us exposes the sin we are ashamed of and he does this in his kindness we may not think that god was being very kind to peter when peter ran out weeping bitterly but it is god's kindness every time he puts us on our face weeping This is a sobering truth, a sobering text. In every failing moment that you ever had, every seed of sin that has sprouted denial, anger, lust, selfishness, or pride, know that the Lord will use them. Repent. Repent and turn to him. Repent of your independence. In your own self-reliance, look to the face of Christ and take on his strength. Take his strength and his grace for your life. Look to him because he is certainly looking at you. In him is our strength. In him is our favor. In him is his grace and his wisdom that we need. He is looking at you. He is looking at me. And with every failure of every sin of the past, present, and future, he is not looking in condemnation or in disappointment, but in grace and mercy, and he still went to the cross. Sobering. It's hard when our hearts are exposed but oh, what comfort and love and kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Sola Deo Gloria. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, how it speaks to us. We pray, oh, now, Lord, even in our time of response, this isn't just a conversation of academics or a conversation of intelligence, but it is a Conversation as you've worked in our hearts and our lives this morning through your word. And Lord, this has truly been sobering to think about the gospel and think about our failures and our weakness and the mess that we make like Peter. Knowing that our love is not enough but your love is and your grace is. Lord, help us by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit to be prepared through prayer for every sin and temptation that may come our way, every seed that is there that may will try to work itself out. Lord, we pray that we would be encouraged by these things this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.